Let's talk about debt, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about debt. This is going to be such a great conversation because even though it's controversial in nature, which I always love a good controversy, right? Uh, I think it's going to help educate people because I know for myself, I've talked to a lot of people this week yeah, who are like, what is it that you guys do in comparison to what Dave Ramsey is offering? Right. And I know that we touched on it briefly. Tiffany and I did a while back. We talked on a few of his touching talk points, mm-hmm. but... I thought it would be really amazing if you and I could share perspective on the five things that differentiate us from Dave Ramsey and his program. You mean philosophically or, um, uh, you know, from a execution standpoint? Yeah, or, or like both. both. Yeah. I mean, I think it can come from both directions. You know, mm-hmm. the way he approaches individuals, talks to them. And even what he gives out as solutions in specific areas. Right. Let's speak to that. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. So let's start with the first thing. Yeah. I think. I think the first huge point of differentiation between Dave Ramsey and Amber and Ryan is that we tend to approach things, I know you call it the big red comfy couch, but with more compassion rather than shame and guilt. Mm, What do you think? Well, it's funny you say that because um, Connor... Our, our son, Connor, brought me a Dave Ramsey clip the other day. And um, basically, he had a guy on the line. Yeah. And the guy had over $100,000 in debt. And he was, t- the, the young man was telling Dave, and Dave had his headset on. And I don't know if it was his podcast or what, but the guy was telling him his, his situation. The mm. young man was telling Dave his situation. And uh, part of his situation was he had $100,000 in debt. And Dave interrupted him and said, what were you thinking? And that's awful. The, the, the young man was like, well, I wasn't. That's, that's why I'm here. And he was, J- Dave was just shaking his head back and forth. And I was thinking to myself, that's not the kind of uh, encouragement I want over my life. Yeah. You know, it was, it was a shame on you moment. Mm. And um, I could see the life drained out of this young guy. It just drained out of him. Mm-hmm. He was embarrassed and and belittled. Mm-hmm. And um, I was thinking to myself, like, that's exactly who I don't want to be as we're talking to people about their debt, their, their debt and financial challenges. Well, you know? and you know what else? When you were sharing that with me, I was just thinking, if I were someone listening to that on the other side, suffering with debt, I'd keep my mouth shut. Right. It makes me want to keep <laughs> that secret even longer because if that's how he is approaching and treating and shaming people, why am I going to tell anyone in fear that I'm going to get the same response? Right. And, and I think that's, you know, that's one of the big points of differentiation. Mm-hmm. Um, what I saw there was, you're in a financial mess. You're so stupid. Well, that young man didn't need Dave to tell them that because he already thinks that about totally. himself. He already thinks the worst about himself. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't need that reinforced. Right. And what we found, and I know I can speak for you here over years and years of doing this, mm-hmm. is that bad things happen in life. Yeah. You know, bad things happen that kind of can send us in a, a downward spiral, whether it's a financial or relational, whatever. Yep. But things happen to people. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, that's where the whole concept of hardship comes from. Right. Do you, do you what, what is your working definition of hardship? What would you say your working well, definition of I hardship mean, is? I try to cut words in half. So like hardship. So I just think hard is obviously, it's something that's not easy mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. And then ship, I kind of just see as like, it just kind of sets sail and just gets worse and worse and worse. Hmm. That's, I love I love I love where your mind goes right. with vocabulary. So, well, it just makes it easy. Yeah, I, I'm not the one that's the smart student. You were, so you can tell me the real definition of hardship. But for me, that's how I yeah. see it. So, you know, one of one of the things that our concept of helping someone mm-hmm. is understanding what's going on in their lives, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times our experience has taught us that people are in a situation of hardship. And so today I was like, what does hardship mean and where is it derived from? And hard, um, you know, solid and firm, not soft, difficult to endure, carried on with great exertion, severe, rigorous, harsh, cruel. That's hard. Mm-hmm. And then ship is the quality or condition um, of, of, a, a, of a state or a condition of being. So you put the two together and you've got, it is a difficult to endure state of being wow. or um, a severe state of being or a rigorous state of being or a harsh condition. And that's what we found uh, over the years mm-hmm. is people generally experienced some rigorous state of being, some difficult to endure status or condition that got them to this place. It wasn't always just, I'm going to go buy whatever I want and consequences, whatever. That that's probably less of a reality than something happened. I agree. I mean, look at our own story. Yeah. You know, we were both very successful mortgage brokers when it fell off the table in 2008. So it's not like we were living outside of our means or doing anything other than what we knew best to do and making Mm -hmm. great money doing it. Mm -hmm. And then the banks turned off in one single day. And it's not like we could just sell off our houses and cars and send the nanny home. Right. That, That was not happening. So I think to your point, from Dave's perspective, the way he approaches everyone, like, you're an idiot, is what he might as well say, mm-hmm. is completely false in nature because I think what it what it takes is what we try to bring to the table, which is compassion. Yeah. I don't even consider myself a very compassionate person too either. So to say I that- mean, you know, no. I, I've seen, when it comes to people's hardships in their life, yeah. I actually see a lot of compassion. I've seen you. That's like your soft spot. That's why- this is your calling to help people is when you see people struggling, I do see compassion and I see you bring that to the table every time. But someone could trip in the parking well, lot and I'd crack yeah, up laughing. Then there's the whole other side right. of the story That's where there's saying. zero compassion. So it's interesting to me though that Dave Ramsey chooses to take a very hard approach. Whereas I really feel for people struggling with credit card debt and having or dealing with a hardship Mm-hmm. Because just like you defined it, they didn't mm-hmm. ask for it. They didn't do anything frivolous. Yeah. They're just a product, right? They're just yeah. exactly where they are in life and trying to do what's best. 
And for them to have the courage, which I always admire this, and I've told everyone I've spoken to over the last few weeks, Mm. congratulations for having the courage enough to make the call. I just want to commend you for that. Yeah. Because it is a huge step. No, it requires bravery. Right? Absolutely. And and the, the truth is that, you know, not every person fits into one solution. Well, that's our number two. Yeah. So the first one being we approach everyone with compassion rather than guilt and shame. Yeah. Number two for mm-hmm. us and the way we approach anyone's debt is not everyone gets the same solution. Right. It's not necessarily stuffing an envelope. It's not one size fits paying all. Paying off your home and starting yeah. with your lowest creditor. That doesn't we work for everyone. We actually don't even think like that. We listen to the everything about their situation, mm-hmm. their lifestyle, what they're looking to accomplish, how mm-hmm. quickly they want to accomplish it. Are they mm-hmm. employed? Are they not? Are they both working? Like there are so many factors. Mm-hmm. And then actually, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking of Jackie because it's no different than curating a box mm-hmm. of great clothes for someone's specific lifestyle. We really curate a solution for the person based on all the factors. Right. Right. Exactly. No, I I can see that, and it's it's not it's not a static thing. You can't in any area of life we can't say this is a one size fits all. That's right. And this is going to work for everyone all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I it's dynamic. Right. Which means dynamic insinuates ever changing, flowing circumstances are different, life goals are different, mm-hmm. and so. You have to be nimble. That's right. And you have to be versatile mm-hmm. in order to be able to say, okay, you might want to go right. You might want to go left. You might want to go straight. You might want to go backwards before you go forwards. Right. And that you're right. I mean, that is a, that's a major, I think, weakness of the Dave Ramsey model as opposed to being able to look at a situation holistically and then give a, a consultation based on those circumstances. Totally. And I think too, when you're coming from that place, rather than a one solution mindset, Mm -hmm. then it really makes the people feel heard and that you're listening. Mm -hmm. Because if I was just looking to sell a Dave Ramsey program to everybody that called in and did a clarity call with me, Mm -hmm. I have to be honest with you. I probably wouldn't be listening that much because I already know what I'm going to tell them. Right. Right? Yeah. Whereas when we're curating these responses, we are taking the time to listen to the hardship, to listen to how they feel and how what they're struggling with while walking through this. We actually listen to all of that. Yeah. And then we stop for a moment and say, you know what? Let us let us think on this and get back with you with what we feel the best solution would be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. Totally I'm, different I'm, approach. I've seen you do that multiple times. And it, it, like you said, it's not always the same solution. Shoot, even even geography of where an individual lives in the country can make a difference on what the right solution is. Yeah. Something as simple as geography, much less much less uh, the financial condition or or right. goals or anything else. What if a so, hurricane hit and they lived in Florida and were out right. of work for six months or a snowstorm? I mean, there's so many factors. Yeah. The third one, in my opinion, would be that we actually don't want to rob them of living a rich life. Mm. You know and what what do you mean what do you mean when you say rich life? Well, I think everybody has this misconception that a rich life means how much money you have in the bank. Yeah. It doesn't. That would be my first inclination. No, it doesn't. It actually doesn't have anything to do with money. It has to do with what you value as important mm-hmm. or rich in your own life. So, mm-hmm. if I were to ask you, yeah. You know, if you were living your richest life, what are the things that you would want? 
What's the most important to you? If I was living my richest life, I would say freedom. Freedom. Yeah. Okay. So what what is the cost so, of freedom? So what, what freedom, is- freedom for me yeah. has always been savings. Mm-hmm. That if I had built wealth, then that, that allots me freedom, which it, that's a rich life to me. That's the Got essence it. of it. So in that case, it doesn't really cost much other than just continuing to save over your lifetime mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to provide put, you with that freedom. It right. doesn't mean you have to keep making more to give you the free. Once you have it, you yeah, have it, correct? Yeah, yeah. So for me- What about you? For me- I'm, I'm dying to hear this. Yeah. For me, surprisingly, it's the little things. Mm. Like living a rich life is, it, there's a little bit of freedom in it for me because I think it's just the freedom that I, I can't be managed by someone. I think we know that about me. Mm-hmm. Um, so freedom of just doing my own businesses and that's always been a good thing. Mm-hmm. Great coffee shops, like as silly as it sounds, yeah. just a great coffee shop or mm-hmm. great restaurant. Like mm-hmm. I'm really big about places. Mm-hmm. Um, where hotels. I, hotels are yeah. a big deal. Yeah. You know what? Where I'll you do, I would rather, and what's surprising is, is that a rich lifestyle, like just because you have money doesn't mean you have to spend it on everything that's excess. Mm-hmm. Just because I have money doesn't mean I like having a housekeeper. I actually don't like having a housekeeper. Mm-hmm. Not because I don't think they don't do a great job, but because for me, I feel like it's such a waste of money. I actually like to clean. Mm-hmm. So, so you would trade the housekeeper for the nicer hotel totally. if you were going out of town for the weekend. It, it, it's, it's not it's about... An, it's not, yeah. It's about identifying. So if what I what I'm hearing you say is, you know, this journey to financial independence, this journey to financial health goes through the doesn't have to go through the doors mm-hmm. of pain and misery and restricting ourselves to, you know, eating rice craft and beans. mac and cheese out of a box or or rice and beans every night. It's more important to look at what do I value most That's right. and cut the things out of my budget that um, are expendable yep. and focus on the things that put a smile on my face. If that's a good cup of coffee at a nice coffee shop, then that's going to be one of the things that I'm going to give up something else in order to live my rich lifestyle. I will give up something else in order to drink this cup of coffee and this this five dollar cup of coffee in this nice place, exactly. Where that that is meaningless to me. I do not care. I will I will drink crystal coffee and hot water. Um, in Folgers order, is in what order you'll drink. to you know um, be able to uh, put more in your go, savings, go travel, or put more in my savings. Um, you know that that to me is, and you're right. Put more in my savings is the answer to that question. Because I used to. In college, I used to buy milk that was already expired. Um, it was sitting on a shelf by the front door um, in Auburn, and I would walk in. It was a quarter. It was, the milk was a quarter. It was already past its sell date, and I'd be like, giddy up. I'd buy that quarter milk, and I knew a penny saved is a penny earned, and uh, I lived on expired bread, expired milk. and, and That could <laughs> be why you have stomach issues, by <laughs> yeah. the way. I'm probably paying <laughs> the price now, but um, you're right. I mean, I would sacrifice to be able to save more. And um, why? Because I saw freedom on the other side of saving, mm-hmm. which to me was indicative of a rich lifestyle. And so, I think the point. way Dave Ramsey approaches it is he wants you to sacrifice your entire life mm-hmm. 
and basically live on nothing, don't spend anything, don't go anywhere until you're completely out of debt. Right. And to me, that's actually makes the situation 10 times harder. And that that bullseye completely out of debt, it can be a very long ways away. Absolutely. You know, and sometimes it can feel like um, it's an unreachable target. Right. You know, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying it is, yeah. but it can put someone in such a place of despair and actually worse than despair, a place of resignation, which resignation says something much worse than despair. It says, I give up. Right. And so, um, you know, along the road, we've got to enjoy life That's right. on this journey. And um, I don't believe that we have to suffer find, uh, in our in our lives in order to accomplish the mission, which is to be financially free. Well, right? and that freedom just to be free of being under the thumb of creditors and banks. And so, right. all right, so our first one is, is we do not approach it with shame and guilt, mm-hmm. as Dave does. We choose mm-hmm. compassion. The second one being that... We don't have one solution. We have many. That's right. Which is so okay. fun to curate. And so the we're third able, being, able to look at everybody holistically. That's right. The third being that we want you to continue living a rich life, whatever that rich yep. life looks like for you. Number four. Yeah. Number four is we don't want you to pay the full balances back if there's other options available to you. And that brings up an actually a kind of like big idea I had today that <clears throat> remember we talked about hardship. Yeah. So back to hardship for a minute. Mm-hmm. We know what it means now um, from a a word standpoint, but I had the thought that your hardship has equity. Mm, that's and good. What I mean by that is you didn't you didn't go through that for nothing. Right. You've got the bumps and bruises, you've got the story to tell, and there's equity in that hardship. Mm-hmm. And um, especially as it relates to our creditors. And we can we can leverage a lot of times we can leverage the hardship mm-hmm. um, story what someone walked through maybe it was a death of a spouse maybe it was a medical shock loss um, of a job a loss of a job um, layoffs uh, you know uh, how about huge events that happen like. 9-11 or like the pandemic mm-hmm. that those caused a lot of hardships. And how about it? runaway inflation? You know, that's, that's, uh, that's hardships. And we can leverage those situations and there's built-in equity. And what I mean by that is we can actually, um, we can get the creditors a lot of times to settle for less based on our understanding of how to leverage those hardships. And that's a really great point because I think some people who I know I've spoken to, they'll say, well, I feel bad. I'm not paying what I owe. And I say, wait, but you never agreed to 25% interest and over limit and late fees. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. all the banks, like that's how they stay in business. Mm -hmm. So while you did use it for that steak dinner, Mm -hmm. I don't want you to have to pay for that steak dinner for 10 years. Right. Because that's what they're doing if they stay in the rat race. That's true. So that's really good how you can use your hardship. You can use it as equity. Yeah. And I think that that's what people really need to understand when we come from a place of no judgment. Mm -hmm. And this is not about guilt and shame. This is about being transparent with the backstory. Right. Right. Being Um, honest and vulnerable. Being honest and vulnerable, Mm -hmm. especially as it relates to the hardship. Yes. Um, and I would venture to say that the majority of people we've heard had some 
impetus. Something happened that created a downward spiral in their financial management. Mm -hmm. So not only do we need to get to that for heart healing, (laughs) we need to get to that for heart healing, but we also need to get to that because it is leverage when we're dealing with uh, creditors. Yeah. So that's 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 a big point. And then the fifth one being that we, unlike Dave Ramsey, we actually do believe in credit cards. We believe that there are great credit cards out there that you can apply for that you can use that offer benefits and perks Mm -hmm. associated with the use of them. And I know personally for me, I love American Express. I love the Sapphire card from JP Morgan. Mm -hmm. I really believe based on everything that I've read and studied about those cards that the perks associated with using them are top notch. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know we get a $300 travel credit every time we use our Sapphire card. Mm -hmm. American Express, we are in such good standings with them. We actually have a black card at this point, Mm -hmm. which is by invite only. Mm -hmm. I know American Express, you have to pay your balance off in full. So I think that's a great place for people to start after going through and eliminating their debt. Just having an American Express card. Mm -hmm. Show yourself that you're capable of being responsible with it and pay off the full balance when the statement comes. Yeah. I think, and I think that's, that's a good rule for any credit card. Right. You know, I think that if the credit card the intent of the credit card should be one to build your credit worthiness. I mean, for me, it's the only reason I really want a credit card is to build my credit worthiness so that I can borrow money for things that actually build wealth, mm-hmm. like real estate. Right. <laughs> you know, so it's to build your credit worthiness. Right. And secondarily, it's a means to be able to earn rewards. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a little bit of a game. It's like I'm going to use this. I'm going to build up points. I'm going to get money back or I'm going to get I'm going to get rewards and also it's going to help build my credit. Right. So what credit cards can never be is a supplement to someone's income. Mm-hmm. That is not the intent. Right. You know, credit cards should not be I can't af- I want this. I can't afford this, so I'm going to supplement my income with this revolving line of credit. Mm-hmm. That is a way to get in deep trouble quick because of the interest rates and the banks. This this is a loaded game, y'all. This is a loaded game. The banks know what happens totally. when they extend thirty thousand dollars to someone and give them an introductory rate mm-hmm. and let them pay a fraction of what the balance is. I mean, the minimum payments are a fraction. I'm only shocked 1%, when I see only one percent goes. I'm to shocked principal. when I see. The, what the minimum payment allowance is monthly, you know, and people are like, well, shoot, if I can, if I can only pay minimum, I'm only going to pay minimum. That's right. And that, that is a psycholo- that's a little bit of psychological warfare between the lender and the borrower. Right. And so you got to break through that. Mm-hmm. You've got to break through that and say, yeah, I can, I am permitted to make that minimum payment, but I'm paying the whole thing off. That's right. And to me, that's a healthy relationship with credit. Right. And then to your point, there's certain credit cards that actually give back mm-hmm. and and then you're actually ahead of the game. So right. I've leveraged this card to just stand in the gap between me and my next paycheck. That's right. And then I pay the whole thing off. So I had zero interest accumulate, zero. Right. And I also got rewards and I banked either a, a hotel stay or airfare Amazon. Um, points Point, with yeah. Amazon. So uh, I'm like, okay, that month I was in, I was in the green, and I was in the green in this relationship. You won. Uh, you won. Right. And um, then you go and you 
make a minimum, minimum payment. Now interest is accruing. Uh, I'm going backwards in, in this relationship. Yeah. And I lost. Yeah. I lost that hand that month with the creditor. Right. But it, I think the underlying thing that you have to have to be able to do this is discipline. Mm-hmm. And I think when you come out of getting out of debt, you've got to start a new pattern of showing that you're disciplined enough mm-hmm. to be responsible. So mm-hmm. don't ever open credit cards, by the way, when you go into department stores and they offer you 10% off if you open today, they're getting paid per card they open. Mm-hmm. I used to be that person. I was actually the top one. Birdines, I opened more credit cards than anyone else in the entire company. Yeah. Little did I know that one day I'd be on the flip side of this. You know, I mean, I may contest that because I was in Best Buy and I had to go and make a big purchase. Yeah. And I bought seven or $8,000 worth of TVs. And they said at the counter, hey, you get X off. I don't remember what it was, but it was pretty darn enticing. And uh, it could have been 15% off. It, mm-hmm. it was or maybe even been 20% off. And I'm like, absolutely. So they signed me up for the Best Buy card. I put that transaction on it. I paid it off when the bill came in that month. I cut the card up and I closed the account. So I won that hand. I got, you know, I got a thousand to fifteen hundred dollar discount on the TVs. Yep. And I I cut the card up and closed the account after after it was all said and done. So, you know, there's moments, but once again, you said the word. It's about discipline. You right? have to have discipline. And if people would look at finances more like a game, and I think so many people are so intimidated. By because they the don't financial know. ecosystem, right? Right. It's it's complex. It's There's so, so many complex. things going on, but it's so simple. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just look at it like a game, yep. that every every single decision I make financially is a is like playing a hand of cards, and how am I going to steward this hand of cards the best I can? Mm-hmm. And sometimes those cards are really bad. Right. You know, there's times I've faced really challenging financial decisions. So what do you do? you choose the lesser of two evils, mm-hmm. right? It's like, I may have to make a decision between bad and awful, right? but I'm going to attempt to do the least mm-hmm. awful decision. Right. So, you know, every single decision, if people would look at it like a game, mm-hmm. I think they would have so much more fun with their finances. Well, and that's that's my hope is that we're able to educate people a little bit more in their learning as they listen to this podcast because, mm-hmm. you know, learning and just the knowledge associated with, credit and money and finances, every little bit, mm-hmm. if you put it to practice, it, it starts to compound and add up. I mean, Absolutely. you know what I tell the kids? You, you have, pen- pennies <laughs> add up to nickels, nickels add up to dimes, dimes add up to quarters, quarters add up to dollars. Yeah, we've right. heard the whole train. I well, love, it's true. I can't remember how far you took that thing. It's but, true. Yeah. So, you know, I think that we've done a great job of sharing with people the biggest different difference between our approach to finance versus Dave Ramsey. And my hope is that we've created a safe space mm. and that people know, like, we want to hear their stories. Mm-hmm. We want to them to call us and set a clarity call and share. One, because it's it's confidential. Yeah. Two, because we have no shame or guilt associated with no. it. We have been there. Yeah, we have. And we want to create that space to help, mm-hmm. to steer them in the right direction to get out. Yeah. And three, we want them to have a great life. We want them to enjoy their life even as they're walking through this. It's cleansing. It's totally cleansing. It's a cleansing process. uh, And everybody should have the opportunity to walk through that. Right. So I'm really glad that we touched on this. Hopefully it provides clarity. The hardship. It's important. It's important to leverage it. And I've I've 
I love that. You know, uh, there's equity in your hardship. It, yeah. it wasn't for nothing, as That's they right. say. So if you're listening, set a time with us. Share your hardship with us. Share your hardship. Let us go to bat for you and curate a plan that will help you get out of your current situation and on the path to freedom. Absolutely. Financial freedom. Financial freedom. There you go. All right.